0: Hello and welcome to the Hope Hotline. Today is Wednesday. Happy Hump Day! It's going to be a good day. Life is good. It's been a crazy week, crazy good week, not crazy yeah. bad week. Yeah. It's been. Uh, I'm telling you right now. I uh, pop up that uh, the save the date. I'm like so stoked. Check this out. (gasps) Ooh. I didn't even know about this. Did you create this? I did. I'm just telling you guys, I am so stoked. This is like, I'm so excited. We have so many good things coming up. Um, You did, we got to post this, but um, we are at 334 registered for the conference and then there is a breakfast. You'll see it on Friday morning, the 25th, when the doors open. It, you have to register. I'm looking at the screen. Oh, look at it over there. I can see it way better. Yeah. Breakfast is 9 a.m. Yep. But, yep. but the doors open. 8.30 a.m. Yeah. Yep. Um, so you can't just come to the breakfast because there's limited seating for that. Um, we have space for 300 people. Mm-hmm. I think that's, yeah, 300 I so. people. Yeah. I knew it was 300 people. I didn't know if we were telling everybody. But I we have either. space <laughs> for only 300 people. Yeah. We are at 193. So okay, um, we're watching that very closely. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss breakfast. But I will tell you, you can't just come to breakfast and skip the conference. Um, <laughs> you, won't you, no, you won't want to. You won't want to. You uh, won't want to. Like, if, if some people always go to events because of the food. Listen, I get that. <laughs> I always tease people like Christians, they love to eat. There are certain denominations that food is required at every event if you are in that denomination. It's just the way it is. Those are the denominations I tend to lean towards because yeah. I love to eat. And usually it's really good food. <clears throat> Although I will tell you, I'm not a big potlucker. Can I, t- I don't know if I can say why I don't like potlucks. I'm a little nervous. I was just looking at my friend Sarah. Um, Sarah's like me, so I shouldn't look at her and ask her if it's for permission because she goes places in conversation that I wouldn't even go, which is shocking. I mean, hello. Um, Tracy, do you know why I don't like eating potluck? I have no idea, but I would love to hear. Oh, okay. That's not going to help me any. I was ho- <laughs> Heather knows, and Heather okay. would say yes or no to whether I could say it or not. So I'm going to just say it. Yes. You know, I, this is the reason why I don't, and a lot of times if there, we, I don't do a lot of putlucks, potlucks at the church for a reason, especially now that we're really big. When we were smaller, not an issue, but I'm a clean person. And so, not everybody keeps their house as clean and tidy as as I do, which is okay. I don't care. I don't live in your house, so it's irrelevant to me. But but here's where it becomes a problem: if we're going to have a potluck, and if somebody's not a clean person is going to bring a dish that they've cooked at their house, and they're not so clean house, it's kind of gross to me. I'm like, what was? the dish that was this cooked on, like what did it look like prior to was the pain. I, I'm just like, I get the EBGBs. So I'm not a big Good. potlucker because I'm, I'm like, I kinda wanna scout out each individual's house before I eat your oh dish to make sure. Does yeah. that
1: make sense? Oh, it makes sense.
0: Yeah, so <clears throat> that's why we're not doing any potlucks here at Foundation Church <laughs> or for the conference. All of the food we're going to be every night. A lot of people are coming from work, so every night Heather's got something awesome set up for them to. It's not a meal; it's a snack, except for breakfast. Then you will definitely get your fill. And it's and as it gets closer, we'll probably tell where the meals coming from, but until then, we're going to hold off and we'll give you the menu potentially. But um, so uh, every night doors open at six at six thirty. Right? Let me see. Doors open at 6. At 6.30, you'll be able to snack, chow down on some on some good grub, and then we'll begin the service at 7. So um, I speak Thursday night. Magalis speaks Friday morning. Adalis speaks Friday night. Adalis is in the middle for people who are brand new. She's in that cute pink hot little mm-hmm. outfit. And then um, it'll be exciting to see the, her shoes because she always wears always. – she she's I love shoes so, um, and then Saturday morning is totally different. Which um, I'm working that out right now, but Saturday morning, I'm trying to talk my husband into something. And if he says yes, it's great. If he says no, I'm gonna have to ask somebody else to do it. But <laughs> and I already have an idea of who it's going to be. They're not looking at me anymore. They would <laughs> believe me, but <clears throat> smart. <laughs> so, uh, right now I'm asking my husband to do it. If he says no, then I have a feeling it's going to be somebody else. But it's going to be awesome. Saturday mornings going to be fun and awesome. Okay. So you don't want to miss Saturday. Um, totally different. Great door prizes every day. I mean every um, every service. Great, phenomenal door prizes. And uh, it's going to be a great time. Like it's going to be a really, really good time. Great worship music and great preaching, teaching and uh, lots of laughs. I can promise you that we will. The laughs will will not be non-existent. Um, So make sure you register. You cannot go to the conference without registering. And then if you want to go to the breakfast, you cannot go to the breakfast unless you register specifically for the breakfast. They don't go hand in hand. Okay. That's the one thing that's super confusing because there's obviously the number of people who can attend the conference is umpteen, but the breakfast is different. So we have to keep that separate. I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. I think we're good. Okay. I absolutely love that. That was a nice little surprise that you had for me. I try. I love that. (laughs) So pretty. All right. I think I'm ready for my first question unless somebody, oh, lucky here. Look what I did to my computer, guys. We pull got it. stickers.
1: Yeah, pull it towards you, so that it's not as blurry. Yep. Okay.
0: We got yeah. stickers. Somebody is so awesome for the church. They don't live here. They watch us. Um, dadgum! I don't know where they watch us. I can't remember. But they love my husband's podcast and they love the church. I don't think they watch me or love me, to be honest <laughs> oh with you. My God. But. I'm reaping the benefits and the rewards. Yes, you are. Okay, so it's irrelevant whether they know me, <laughs> love me, or hate me. Whatever. But they made this for me, this sticker. It. So we perfect. have stickers which are free. Perfect. I know everybody keeps saying we need merch. I know. And you can blame Tracy for that. It is. It's my it's fault. It's all Tracy. But because of I... that, now I don't.
1: I know. What do you want to
0: do? I'm just going to. I don't know. It's like a double whammy. What do you think? There do you we go. Just gone? leave it like that. Okay. No logo? No well, you unless think? you can put it over on that side right oh, there. Okay. Um, yeah.
1: I'll... Okay. Okay. So, yes or Whatever. no? Whatever. Um, so, do you want it on the side it was on? Otherwise, I've got to ask my no, I want it. special oh. friend.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh, I can't see it. This is what I hate. I don't do good. Right there. So, so that's that, where I so want it. So, that's
1: not an option today. <laughs> <laughs> but in the future, it can be.
0: Well, I'll work with that. Um, okay. In the meantime, I'll, I'll, I'll I got Let this baby. Yeah, okay. I got. I got. See, I hate this. I'm such a. It, I have issues. <clears throat> so, okay, this first question, like you guys, you guys have been asking really good questions. Keep them coming. Um, but there is a series. This one person sent me. And they come to the church because they put it in the um, box, which you can do that, guys. You can put it in our tithe box if you want to. But they gave me like, and I'm answering all of your questions right in a row. That's what I'm going to do. But they they have phenomenal questions. I'm super excited about answering all these questions. It might take me a while, but we're going to get through them. And I think I've already started answering them. So whatever.
1: Hey, what do you think about the screen?
0: What are you talking about do you see it I feel the logo I'm so we have
1: like four logos I, I moved it what I figured <gasps> it out oh yeah, what yeah, yeah, yeah is it too much
0: nope you well like it? it's a lot of it's a it's lot a of the lot. logo <laughs> it is but I'm okay with that okay perfect because listen people it's all about repetition that's how you get something ingrained in someone's head it's true like six foot distancing wear your mask walk only on the uh the circles like that's training but I'm gonna make you have my logo embedded into your head. It's repetition, repetition, repetition. So, um, okay. But thank you for making me look at that because I realized I was like that. Oh yeah, you're welcome. Now I'm like this. Yeah. There you go. Bad posture, people. It's not good. <laughs> okay. okay. So First Samuel 18:4, Jonathan took off his robe, his sword, belt, bow. What does this represent? What are you doing? I ain't even at the scripture. Oh, I thought you said First Samuel. No. Oh, I, just okay, I okay. said, I always say, oh, let's look at scripture. You
1: do. You're so good at that. Oh, my God. I, I got to take it. off this
0: jacket. I'm so dang hot. It gets hot in here. Now, do you have your fan? D- just listen, people. I'm working on these. <laughs> so when you see the cellulite, it used to be way worse. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. They're getting better. It's getting better.
1: You. You're working But hard. I'm hot. It is. It's, it's really hot to... in here. Do you have your fan? Mm-mm. Okay.
0: I don't even have the thing. And I'll be all right. I'll live as long as you guys' eyes don't get blown out by the cellulite on my arms. Oh my gosh. But again, I promise you, it's way better than it was <laughs> by a lot. Okay. 1 Samuel 18.4. Jonathan took off his robe, his sword, belt, bow. What does this represent? So if anybody doesn't know... Jonathan is referring to Jonathan, Saul's son, who was best friends with David, who became King David. What a lot of people don't understand is Saul, when Saul was chosen to be the first king, the Israelites were never to have a king, anyone but God. But they were a rebellious people. So because of that, God said, forget it. I'll give you the king that you want, but you're going to regret it. And They ended up regretting it in many ways on many levels at many different times. Good kings, bad kings. It's like good presidents, bad presidents, right? Well, when Saul uh, did not obey God, what happened was um, God said, Well, now I'm going to strip the kingship from you, and Jonathan will no longer be the um, heir to the throne. I'm going to choose somebody different. The crazy thing is Jonathan and David were best of friends. When this happened, Jonathan knew that David was going to take his kingship from him. And yet, in spite of all of that, they stayed best friends in so much that Jonathan saved David's life from his own father, knowing the whole entire time if David died and was killed he might be able to get that kingship back he did not do that this is the epitome of self-sacrifice and being obedient to what the what God's um, plans are for your life like even if in spite of not liking it Jonathan was paying the price for his father's sin by not becoming the king and even though that happened he he made a covenant with David that said, I will help you. I will help save you. I will protect you from my father. I'm going to give all that I have, me, everything that that includes, to you. And then David did the same to him. Um, how many of us can say that we have friends like that? Uh, we have a spouse like that? um, that we have any kind of relationship with any family member like that. Because really, that's what friendship's supposed to look like, biblically speaking. We are to be selfless. Whatever God calls us to do, if it's given to someone else, or if we have, we've not been called to that, but we want a calling of another person. And instead of being um, spiteful or jealous or whatever it is, we look at it and say, you know what, God, God, you've ordained them for that. And in spite of how I feel and in, in, in no matter how much I want what they have, Lord, I'm going to help propel them into greater things. And I think of like Magalis when I, when I think of this. Because one of the big things that Magalis always says is, I make people's dreams come to life. I, I make their, dream, their dreams happen for them. She's happy being in the back even though she has the capability and the personality to be in the front. Does that make sense to you guys? Like yeah. she knows that God's purpose for her is to push people or push Jonathan and, and Adalas further in God's calling. And she takes such care in making sure that that happens. That's a Jonathan. Yeah. Like it's so – we should be all be like that. But I don't know very many people – that are not self-serving in this way. I can't think of a lot of people who um, live that lifestyle yeah. or or that's how they walk things out. Um, I'm not saying that I don't know. I'm just saying, on the whole, I don't know a lot of people. I probably know 20 people or less that are like that. Which mm-hmm. is saying, not saying a lot because I, I know a lot of people. But... When the rubber meets the road, I don't know how many people would say, no, it's all about you. It's not really about me. Let's look at the scripture. First <clears throat> Samuel 18, 4. So you understand the story behind what we're talking about, okay? And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even his sword and his bow and his belt. So this happened when they had to separate, when Jonathan... Um, figured out that his dad was actually gonna try and take David's life, Uh, Jonathan gave everything to David so that when he had to go off and fend for himself, he wasn't left with nothing. I mean, you're gonna go out in the wilderness, you're gonna need some protection. And he also knew that Saul was gonna be sending men out to try and kill David. So he needed to be able to protect himself. So we're gonna study this out, what this means exactly for the person that asked this question. In eighteen four, it says uh, when it it indicates that it took off the robe and gave it to David. This is Jonathan ratifies the covenant in, and in an act that symbolizes giving himself to David. His act may even signify his recognition that David was to assume his place as successor to um, Saul, a possibility that seems more likely. And that he also gave David even his sword, his bow, and his belt. So it was a covenant. It, it um, a lot of times, a covenant is, another word for that is a contract. We, we don't look at contracts today. Like, when we do a, sign a contract and the contract doesn't go the way we want it to do, we start looking for loopholes, correct? And back in biblical times, there were no loopholes. Your covenant, your taunt, contract, it was bound. It was sealed. And if you didn't like it, you didn't look for loopholes. Your word was your word. And when I grew up, my dad used to um, say to me, if you tell somebody you're going to do something, then you absolutely do it, even when it becomes inconvenient to you because your word is your bond. Whatever you say, you're only as good as your word. And I have had that repeated to me in my head so many times when I've wanted to go back and tell somebody I can't do that because I didn't want to do it. Um, I may have said yes, I would, but then I was like, gosh, I," you know, the day comes and you're like, I just really don't want to do that. I'd rather eat nails, you know. But the thing is, is you're only as good as your word. Let your yes be yes and your no be no is what the word of God says. So yeah. that's what was so, um, I want to say, um, compelling about what he did. Because it totally took him out of the equation of being the king and having any chance because he made this covenant and this contract. And by doing those things, he basically said to David, I'm going to help save your life. And I'm going to help make you the king of Israel. Jonathan and David were best friends. And we know this because we see it in 1 Samuel 18.4. But... If you look at Samuel 18, 1 through 16, I'm going to show you how it, it, it shows you who Jonathan and David were to one another. And it is, it's, I, I love telling the story when I used to teach um, children's church. I loved telling this story because it teaches kids. And by the time we become adults, sometimes we're like set in stone on our behavior and outside of an act of God or um revelation knowledge we're just going to stay the way we are right we're not going to change but children it's such a great i I love teaching children church because you have the potential to change a heart and a mind for the rest of their life because they're not trained like what they're trained in is not very much so they don't have any really bad habits to speak of so you can teach children this and you can teach them how to be a great friend right um Adults not so much if they're who they are. Not saying that people can't change, but it's very difficult a lot of times with adults. In First Samuel eighteen one through sixteen, we see that Jonathan, King Saul's son, became David's friend. King Saul is jealous of the people um, of the people's love for David and tries to kill him. And he he hated Saul hated it. He was so jealous because people absolutely loved David, but David was killing it. He was like. Wiping out their enemies, God, he had favor from God, and it and it showed. First Samuel nineteen one through ten says Jonathan tries to persuade Saul not to kill David, so he took life into his own hands. In fact, <clears throat> it also shows um, in scripture where Saul tried to kill his own son because of him protecting David. First Samuel twenty one through five twelve. Uh, 1-12-24, uh, 27, 31-42, uh, says Jonathan warns David of Saul's intent. Jonathan and David make a covenant of friendship. In 1 Samuel 23, 14-18, David is strengthened by Jonathan while hiding from Saul. 1 Samuel 24, 9-10, 16-20, sorry Logan, David spares Saul's life, and Saul recognizes David's righteousness. And then 2 Samuel 1, 4, 11 through 12, David mourns the deaths of Jonathan and Saul. Which, that was a, that's a very sad story. I'm like, how do you not love reading the Bible? Like, there's such great stuff in it. It's not boring. 2 Samuel 9, 1 through 3, 6 through 7, and 13, David fulfills his covenant of friendship by caring for Jonathan's son. So even after Jonathan's death, David finds Jonathan's son— um, which was a feat in and of itself, how that all came about. But he takes him in, and every day Jonathan's son eats at his table. He lives um, and is well taken care of by David. Like, some people, like, if you're married, <clears throat> your covenant is until death do us part. <laughs> and they, people take that literally <laughs> until death is. David was like, his covenant was with Jonathan. And he didn't just do it. After, he didn't just say, okay, my covenant's done. Jonathan's dead. He went beyond that and said, I will still honor that covenant by taking care of the only child that was left of Jonathan's because all of them were, were killed. Um, so it just speaks volumes about a person's character, their level of loyalty. I think one of the things that we are missing hugely. In the world today, I would say in the, in the Christian world, but I say it even is beyond the Christian, uh, I mean, it's in the world today. It should be in the Christian realm, but it's lacking big time. It's loyalty. Loyalty. Um, being a person of great character and follow through. I think we're missing that monumentally because it's always what feels good. We come from a, a place of, if it feels good, do it. But loyalty isn't like that. Loyalty, even when it doesn't feel good, you stay loyal. No matter if the person hurts you, offends you, or bothers you, you work through that if they're your friend. That's what being loyal is. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, I mean, and I just think we're lacking it. We just um we just say what we want to say and we do what we want to do and people have to deal with that and suffer the consequences by people's actions. And I get that, but at the end of the day, there's something to be said too for being a loyal person and not saying what you want to say and doing what you want to do and being who you want to feel like being. Just you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like there's so many times I want to say things. Mm-hmm. But I don't because first of all, I call them my friends, so I don't do that. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking of a situation right now that happened several weeks ago where a somebody I adore, loyalty's in question for me. Mm-hmm. And I will not turn my back on that person. I'm not turning my back on them until they've proven that I, that should be done. Like people w- literally said, just do a w- be gone with them, be done with them. I'm like, I just can't do that. Like mm-hmm. it's the offense yeah. is pretty offendable, but there's a lot of history there. So I'm like, no, I'll f- I'll play it out. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You just I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say, but there's something to be said for that. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, let's see. Um, I wait, I'm looking at my notes because I want to make sure that I... Listen, if you don't know what I'm talking about as far as having a friendship like a David and a Jonathan, it's, everybody can create one. They can cultivate one. I suggest if you're married, then obviously this is one that you want with your spouse. Like, you don't want to have something like this with anyone other than who you're married to. But sometimes that's not possible because, spiritually speaking, they're not saved or they're not where you're at, spiritually speaking. You just can't have that bond and close relationship because the, the things that are important to you, like, biblically speaking, the Bible and striving for that spiritual um, next level— it's not, they, they don't get it. It's you, like, you can't talk to them about the spiritual things. Like uh, me and Tom, that's pretty much a lot of our conversation is about God. And so if you don't have that in common, that's pretty tough. Like, cause you're going to want to iron sharpens iron here. So until you do get that with your spouse, maybe because of where they're at, find somebody because there's something to be said For having a relationship like that. But strive for it to be your spouse. If you're single, find somebody. I think of my daughter. She's like got a friend that she does a Bible study with. And they're iron sharpening iron. Like find people. um, It's great to have a big group of people that you can do it with. But it's really nice when you find that. Just that one great friend. That. That meets that. Uh, That qualification. Let it be your spouse first. And if you're single, let it be your friend. And then when you meet your spouse, transfer that over. And that's going to be hard for the the single person if they're both single and like one gets dropped. They'll find somebody. You can still stay loyal to them, but that always needs to be, number one, always needs to be your spouse. Uh, Next question. If Noah's family was the only family left, how do we have so many races? Which I think is funny because lots of people have had this question. Yeah. That's why I think it's a great question, which I never would have thought of. But, like, that's, I mean, it's a very reasonable question to Mm -hmm. ask. It is. So we're going to look at Scripture. And that means (laughs) go to the Scripture. (laughs) Just kidding. Thank you. Thank you. Just kidding. Thank you. She always nails it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what happened to her last time. She's ahead of herself. I was. But I actually was. <laughs> Genesis 7.13 says, On that very day, Noah and his sons Shem, Ham, and Zapheth, together with his, with his wife and the wives of the three sons, entered the ark. Okay, the Bible obviously does not say that there were other people on the ark that were of other nationalities, correct? Or were, you know, like Asia, Africa, places like that. So... It didn't happen there when they started reproducing after the flood. Now, some people believe it happened at the division of where the Tower of Babel took place, okay? Nobody knows. So this is all speculation, okay? But Tower of Babel, I'm going to read that to you so that you understand what took place at that time because this is where... Moses records that God confounded everyone's language. This is where everybody started talking in a different language. So a tribe over here would be able to communicate with each other. A group of people would speak in another uh, language, Another we'll say foreign language, and another group of people would be talking another foreign language, and then they all split off and went their way. And the Tower of Babel took place because of pride. Pride is a, a, a vicious cancer. If you're a prideful person, I'm not saying the Tower of Babel is going to happen to you, but don't let pride be your destruction because seriously, it's what destroyed all these people and sent them into to many different locations. And a, a, a cohesive unit now became dispersed where they never saw each other again. Pride can do pride can do v- is is so damaging and people just don't understand how damaging it, it it really is pride goes before destruction i mean that is a big deal so if you're a prideful person you might want to get rid of it cuz you don't want you don't want what's coming for you Genesis 11, 9, the Tower of Babel. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for the mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that they may make a name for ourselves, pride. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower uh, and the tower that people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. We are really smart people. We just don't use all of our smarts. I mean, seriously, if, if God said, if as one speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. We're, we're a very smart people. It just shows to show you how great God was to make us the intelligence. Now, I don't operate in that intelligence, okay? I'm just going to flat out tell you right now, which some of you already know. But I'm just saying, if we tapped into all that brain power, dear Lord, there ain't nothing. Like he said, there's nothing impossible. We just all don't tap into that brain power. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. And from there the Lord scattered them all over the face of the whole earth. So, when he scattered everybody, so what people believe... And I'm not saying that this is the case because I, I seriously i have I have no idea myself like I have no idea uh, I don't know how DNA works I don't know how the human body is functioning okay I don't know how um, people's uh have like different nationalities, have different things that separate them and make them look different than everybody else. Like if you're Asian, you have the, the slanted eyes. If you are um, Hispanic, you have the beautiful brown skin. Like, I don't know. Like all of those, see, I love, like all of us white girls, what are we doing? We're doing the cat eyes. Why? Because we like the eye. Do you know? Mm-hmm. We like mm-hmm. We like the shape, mm-hmm. okay? All of us want something we don't have all right, Um, there's something beautiful about every race that makes them special, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And and so for me, God knew what he was doing when he made people look so different. And when he made them look different, their uniqueness makes them beautiful. So I don't know how all that happened. I don't know if because if you're in Africa, you're – The the sun is so strong that it browns the skin, makes it darker. I don't know how that all works. But what people believe is when they were scattered all over the region, then that region changed their gene pool. Okay? Now, again, I don't know anatomy. Like, if you came to me and you needed a stitch, I'm probably going to pass out and throw up because I can't, even look at somebody who has a deep room. So understanding how the body and all, I don't know. I'm just saying this is what, when I did research, this is what I found out. Then those people from those regions intermarried. And when they intermarried, certain racial characteristics began to develop. They already had a different language. So that also played a part of it. Okay. All I can tell you is everybody comes from Adam and Eve. So Noah and his family, they were all together, right? Up until the Tower of Babel. So everybody, from what I can understand, they all looked the same. They all talked the same. But then at the Tower of Babel, that's where everything fell apart. And everybody was split off. Their language changed. And then through that, the region that they lived in, caused maybe color color of skin changes as well as um, potential intermarrying which caused different distinct features to change. I don't know. But that's what they say. Everybody came from male. Every Everybody came from one male, even female. We all started from man. That's for sure. That's all I can tell you. I know for sure. Adam and Eve, everything comes from them. Noah and his family came from them. And then after that, from the Tower of Babel, it's a hot mess. I don't know. <laughs> Does anybody have a differing opinion on that? Because, I mean, seriously, I've, I have wondered how, how do other nationalities, like people that are in the Middle East, they all have distinct looks. It, if you live in Italy, you have a distinct look, right? Yep. Um, people used to think I was Jewish because I had a big nose. I don't have the big nose anymore, but they thought I had a big nose. <laughs> so everybody would either say, are you Italian or are you Jewish? Yep. Because people have distinct fe- features. That's true. And, but I don't know how they got them outside of maybe that. It's interesting. It is super interesting. But I love it. I love how God with everybody, everybody looks different, but everybody has something that's beautiful about that difference. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There's like God didn't make anybody from a different nationality to not be beautiful. Right. With that, you know. It's true. Which that's. That's pretty, it's like no fingerprints the same. Like God is, he's amazing in how he does things. Yeah. You can find, pretty much you can find beauty in anything if you want your eyes to be open to
1: mm-hmm. it. I, believe, I agree. Or you can I look totally at differences
0: agree. and just be so narrow-minded that, which I don't understand that, but, and it's frustrating to me, but there are people, there's not a lot of people out there like that, I don't think, but there are. Yeah. Logan's gave me the face like, there is, because she's <laughs> in, interracially married. But yeah. listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I interracially dated like crazy all different nationalities. I never had, and it might be because I'm from the D.C. area. I, mean, I was born here, but but nobody ever, I never dealt with anybody rude or nasty or unkind with any nationality. And a lot of my friends all interracially dated, like, like. My Egyptian girlfriend, gorgeous. Her boyfriend's white. Like, nobody, there wasn't any, like, do you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like there yeah. was anybody who was mean or nasty to anybody. It might be because of the area we're from. I don't yeah. know. Yep, It is from that. It's not looked down upon. It wasn't na- nasty. I literally had never had anybody be mean to me over it. Yeah. Not once. So, I don't know. I've, I have only had good experiences. I've never had bad experiences. <laughs> That's good. Truth be told. But I do know people, I do know people that one of my girlfriends, um, she used to come here. She was, she, uh, her husband, um, she's white, he's black, and their kids have had problems. I'm like, and their kids are gorgeous. I'm like, what is wrong with people? Not that just being gorgeous helps, but I'm just saying, like, they're, I think, like, Listen. Interracial kids, I don't care what, you mix two races together, yep. I don't care what the race is, but you make, they're usually really good looking kids. Oh, yeah. I, totally I don't know agree. why that is, but Cutest. it's very yeah. rare you meet one that's, eh. <laughs> and you're we like. Have a, we have a culture right now that's trying to racially divide us. Put her on the screen. She's on. I want to hear this. So what?
1: We have a culture right now where media especially is trying to oh. racially divide us. So, one hundred percent agree with we that. We would have not felt safe having our children be raised in Louisville, especially if we were both going to still stay in law enforcement,
0: because of the the race baiting, where people are trying to put pit two races or put races against each other. Absolutely. You, you, because here is the thing: this is what I find, and you can stay on. Here is what I find: I don't know. I personally don't know anybody. That's a racist. I personally are, if they are, they're undercover. Like I, I don't know them. Um, but on top of that, like I don't know anybody of any race, personally speaking, whatever the race they are, I don't know any of them. And again, it's a church that I hang out in. Mm -hmm. So you might say, well, that's because it's church and they have, their hearts are different. But even so, I, I've only met one person down here that lived in my neighborhood who was african American or black i I call him black yep. she was very racist, but she was racist against her own race and hmm. she was racist against other races hmm. so she just was she was very angry inside, but yeah. she was a free she was an equal opportunist you know yeah. like she she would, had no problem in telling you listen, you know she was dark skinned, so black people didn 't like her because she was dark skin or whatever which i found to be shocking, mm-hmm. but she said, oh yeah, that's very common. But, but even still, I don't know of anybody. I find that the media is, it's exactly what you're saying, Logan. The media tries to create divisive division, mm-hmm. but as a whole, people see that and they really don't feel like that. There's not a lot of people who, it, who like don't like other races. Our like our Asian people are having a really hard time in um, big cities being so poorly treated, and I'm just like, oh, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But on the whole, Asians don't ever deal with any being race, being, things being racist towards them. I don't believe. I'm not yeah. Asian, so I don't know that. But I'm yeah. just saying, I don't know anybody who looks at somebody um, that is um, Asian or, or um, Oriental or whatever you want to call them. Or, but I don't know of any Korean, Vietnamese, whatever. I don't know anybody who doesn't like somebody because of where they're located from. Do you know what I'm saying? Or do you? Am I? Maybe you do, Logan. Because, but is it in Louisville or is it on the whole? Like people you know on the whole. Do you agree with me?
1: Yeah, I don't like to group it because. There's a small town in Florida that I'm thinking of where my friend is white, she's dating a black guy, and they have a hard time going out to eat. So it's small towns and big cities. Oh, wow. Very close minded. Yeah, I know I know a good amount of people that don't want their daughters to date interracially. What? Locally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't. Well you better watch out for my kids.
0: (laughs) <laughs> meanwhile my kids my, are oh like my Logan. gosh <laughs> I <was> like, I'm <laughs> just saying them. both of my kids yeah <clears throat> they're like me and Tom yeah you're hot you're hot yeah. they don't I care know. they don't care I they know. don't give a flying flip I know I don't care what you look like if yeah. you're hot yeah it's all that matters
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and love Jesus but they're like Tom what order that is it depends <laughs> both with <laughs> both with both my kids yeah for me I just I will never comprehend that me either it, it's makes no sense to me whatsoever i know i hear you if you're kind and you're all about bringing good things to society Mm -hmm. like that's really that's all that matters I just don't get it. I know, but I am shocked about that, I'm like, Tracy. Every that shocks I, me. I'm, every, I'm not saying that I, I believe yeah, you, yeah. I, I but know. I'm just like we should be so far beyond all that. I every time
1: I hear it, I'm like, oh, like it. It takes me back every time I hear it. And it's usually not like they're usually like oh, I don't have a problem with them. It's just I want to want my daughter to date them. That's usually the the exact phrase every time. Wow, I know it like puts a pit in my stomach.
0: That's nuts.
1: I know. It's That's
0: seriously crazy.
1: And there are eight, like the ages, like from my age, yeah, like to older than you.
0: Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. These aren't like
1: older people, these are like people your age. There are some that are older, but I know people my age that do not want their daughters to okay. That goes back
0: to the ignorant, ignorant uh, people. You're not, I was just telling um, the girls before the podcast, I was saying. There are some people that calling them stupid is too nice. Like, like, ignorant is really what you are because you Mm -hmm. can't even get up to stupid.
1: It's true. You did say that.
0: Because when you're that, if I say somebody's ignorant, that's probably, that's one of the lowest insults I can probably give you because I don't even think you're, I don't even think you're stupid. I think you're beyond stupid.
1: Yeah. It's not good.
0: It's not good. It's not good. That is ignorant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which so I, think, I, again, I learned something here on the Hope Hotline. I hope you did too. You're never too old to learn, people. Uh, obviously. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, it is. I, alas, know. It's sad. I guess Louisville's loss is our gain, Logan. Thank I you, God. That. Heck yeah. We'll take you, <laughs> and if you feel like that, seriously you need to check your heart mm-hmm. i mean if if yeah. what what we just talked about, like you can relate to it not because it's happened to you, but because that's how you feel mm-hmm. you seriously need to like and i I mean this sincerely yeah. as nice as I possibly can be um, but you sincerely need to check your heart because that's what god looks at when he goes when when he looks at us he looks at the heart that Mm -hmm. is what we are judged by and i will promise you if he's looking at you and that's your heart you're a big disappointment and that would not be something that i would want to be judged on and it's not worth it like embrace People embrace their differences. I'm not saying if they're out sinning and they're doing things that are like violent or um, inappropriate, things like that. If they fall out of the, the lines of being Christ-like, I'm not saying to embrace that behavior. What I am saying is that just because you have a different skin color, just because you have different um, facial features. Um, I mean, it goes sometimes beyond even people with special needs. Because I know sometimes people with special needs get treated so poorly. Mm-hmm. They're people. I remember a story. I, I read a story where this um, this person was incapacitated. They, at a very young age, something happened to them. So they couldn't speak. They couldn't function. They could not do anything on their own at all. But what they, no one knew was is they understood every. Their brain yeah. worked completely like a normal individual and this person God healed them this is the crazy thing wow. they were healed miraculously on what the mom didn't know and the family didn't know and the mother did most of the care what they didn't know is that he could understand everything that they were saying throughout his whole entire incap- incap- incapacity And the mother would scream, I just wish you would die. I just wish you would be gone. You're a burden to society and things like that. Mm. Okay, he couldn't function. So no tears, no nothing, right? But there were moments where he was like, I am a burden to society. People Mm -hmm. don't understand. Like, words mean something. They are powerful. And when he was miraculously healed, he was able to tell his family these things. There was such heartbreak for them. Which... God is good because the whole family was healed and the relationship was, res- not that it needed restoring because he didn't harbor any ill any w- will. He understood the weakness of the family and having to care for him. Mm-hmm. But that was good on his part because mm-hmm. he saw things that maybe we as people don't. So all I'm saying to you is you don't understand mm-hmm. and you don't know how someone feels. And I'm not saying that people should be victims right. or play the victim role. Okay, I hate that, mm. but at the same time, don't make them be victims. Right. <laughs> don't help the process. Yeah, exactly. Do something about it and be a great product of society that no matter what the person looks like, no matter how they um, look different, some people missing limbs. They serve their country. They helped you. They're in a wheelchair. They yeah. can't do things. Don't resent them and be angry because um, they're not moving as fast as you feel like they should move. And they don't wear a hat, so you don't know they serve their country, and that's the reason why they lost the limbs. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Always be thinking, like, I don't know this person's situation. I don't know what, what it is. is, But you know what? They're a human being, and they need to be treated as a human being. So yep. that's it. <laughs> I feel better. Good. <laughs> Next question. Asking for forgiveness every night in case I've done something wrong. Is that okay? My first, first question would be is did you sin? Are you just saying this, this uh, prayer to be forgiven as a habit or, or are you like OCD? Like, are you afraid that if you die that night, even though you've done nothing, that if you don't say this prayer, you're going to die and go to hell? It's crazy. And there are a lot of people who walk around with obsessive-compulsive Um, habits. It's not good. It's not good at all. The only reason you ask and you repent is if you sinned. And trust me, if you don't remember a sin that you committed, God looks at the heart. He's not going to say, you forgot that one. No, that's not how it works. He looks at the heart. He knows whether you meant or you didn't mean to do it. He also knows whether or not you would have asked for forgiveness or you wouldn't have asked for forgiveness. You, you got you to gotta give God some, some credit here. Like you cannot be fear-based and make all of your decisions based on, I'm afraid to go to hell. Okay. There, you got to trust that God knows your heart. He understands who you are. And that if you send, he knows whether or not you have every intention to do it again. Or you really would never do it again. Do it again, and you actually are very remorseful for that action. Maybe you maybe you forgot to say, "God forgive me," because the day got busy and you went to bed. You fell asleep, and the next day you don't remember it all. Okay, that's where you got to give God some credit. He's a great dad. Uh, if you're a parent, I don't know if this is a guy or a girl that wrote this, but let's think about this: if you're if your child did something against you, right, and you know whether they meant to do it or not, and you know whether they're going to do it again or not. Then you base whether or not you're going to make them say they're sorry to you or not. God's the same way. He knows how you feel. You got to give. You got to cut him the same grace as you know you would your own child. Um, and he looks at you just like you do your child, but. His love is better. His love is stronger. His love is wider. And his love is more pure. So, if you wouldn't do it to your child and you're not as good as God, then you got to give God a break and know that he's not going to do it to you. Let's not live in an OCD world where we're asking for forgiveness of sin when we didn't commit one all day long. It's possible. It's impossible not to sin every single day. I know that people find that. I lost my shoe. I know that people find that hard to believe, but it's the scripture says we are to be perfect as He is perfect, and so there are people who actually genuinely watch the words that they say. They're slow to speak, slow to be angry. Um, They are careful with their eyes. They can go a whole day without sinning. It's possible. So don't necessarily be too hard on yourself. And maybe you didn't sin that day. So maybe you don't need to ask for forgiveness. And if you can't remember it, it probably didn't happen. Or if it did, if you can't remember it, then catch yourself some slack. That's all I got to say about that. I think we just, we're just so bound up in fear in this world that an anxiousness, fear and anxiousness seems to rule the society and there, it, 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 there's, there's reason why through scriptures. I mean, there's so many scriptures about to, to not be anxious about anything, or about fear, because God knew we as a people what motivates us, where our mind will take us, and how far it'll we can go with anxiety and fearfulness, and God wants, to, you know, the scriptures that are there for us to hold on to. So we don't live a, in a lifestyle like that. It's like he put the he, he knew, he foreknew, so he kind of just set you up for success if you use the scriptures and you abide by them. Let's do another one. I got some time. I'm rocking and rolling. You are. Woo-woo. And we even talked at the very beginning. Yes, we did. So this is a very good one. Matthew eight twenty 9 through 1. Do not turn to it. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm just gonna mess with you this whole entire podcast.
1: <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not ready either. <laughs>
0: Mark eight twenty-eight uh, nine through one permits us uh, uh, permits us to go away into permits us to go away into spine swine. So this is let me set you up. This is uh, Matthew eight twenty-eight through um, nine through one is about when um, and it's really not nine and one because that is about something else. But um, it talks about where. The demon-possessed man, and in another part of the scripture, it talks about, and in another place, it talks about demon-possessed men um, when Jesus casts them out into the swine. So that's what they're talking about. Matthew eight twenty-eight. 28, um, permits us to go away into the swine. Mark 5, 1 through 21, go out into the abyss. Luke eight twenty six through 40, send them out of the country. All three are the two demon-possessed men healed, but each gospel account is different where the demons went. Your insight, please. Um, you know what? I don't think I answered this question correctly. because i focused on them being plural and single so i might have to revisit this one i'm going going back to this one i'll do this one on friday because i'm going to check that out i just realized i didn't do that one right but never fear i have another question i come prepared this one actually will take less time, I believe. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Let me see. It won't take less time, but we're going to still do it. Because I can, I can go fast. Biblical restoration. How do we restore people that fail? I love this. Because, you know what? One of the things that I treasure about my husband is... He taught me something huge that I didn't agree with at first <laughs> because I'm like a hard impressed. Once it's done, it's done. But he has taught me every person is redeemable and everybody should be able to be restored. And I used to be like, once you screw me over, I'm done with you. Bah. That's not how Jesus operated. That's not how things are. Everybody, I don't care what they've done. I don't care if they're serving in prison for the worst thing on the face of the earth that you could possibly imagine. With God, all things are possible. Like, if you did the worst crime that anyone could possibly think of, and you ask Jesus to to uh, to save you, and you ask God to clean you, and you ask God to uh, restore you, he will not only wipe away all that sin. But what he'll do is he'll retrain your mind and your heart and your actions and your carnality to be like him. So you'll be a new creature in Christ, just like the word says. When we receive revelation knowledge, it transforms us. It transforms our mind. It renews it. And it transforms us as a human being, if we allow it. So you may have, let's say... At 25 years old, you killed a family, you chopped them up, you put them in a suitcase, and you threw them down the river, okay? You're a heartless, like, soulless individual. At age 35, you have a come-to-Jesus moment, and you really mean everything that you said, and then you begin to study the word out, and then you start becoming a whole different person. And then you get out of jail miraculously because if you're going to kill a family, you're probably never coming out. But somehow you get out of jail. And you know how some people in jail, they get saved. And then when they come out, like it was only while they were in there that they were saved because when they get out into the world, there's too many temptations. So they can't stick to the commitment that they made. But you come out and you are like on fire for God. You're totally different. The thought of you ever harming an individual isn't even close to on the screen for you. Like, you're opposite of that. Can that happen 100%? It can happen. It does. It does happen. Everybody is redeemable. Everybody should be able to be restored. And so for me, the greatest, i I, you know, the greatest things, like people, I made a list. Should people be restored if they've committed adultery? Um, They've stolen from friends and family. They are addicted to, you know, whether it's medications, drugs, alcohol, whatever. Even, like, gambling. Gambling can destroy families. Um, If you're a liar, lying will destroy. People think, oh, it's just a lie. No, lying is destructive. Like, people become pathological. Let's look at our president right now. He's pathological, right? He's not brain he doesn't have, well, he has had two brain surgeries, so. But he knows what he's doing, 100% knows what he's doing. He's a liar. Uh, people who um, are verbally or physically abusive to people. Quitting when times get tough. Lots of people are quitters. Like, for me personally, if you're a quitter, I literally want nothing to do with you. It, w- it is very hard for me to restore you. I'll be honest with you. Quitting is so... I might have a better chance of, re, of, of restoring a, a, a murderer than a quitter. I can't stand quitting. It repulses me. Gossip. The, and I 'm just telling you the list goes on, but let's look at how Jesus dealt with failure, and there the story that is the best of the best of the best is Peter, how he restored Peter. When um, Peter failed Jesus, <clears throat> let's look at Luke twenty-two fifty-four through 62. When Peter denied Jesus, and he wept bitterly. Having arrested him, meaning Jesus, they led him, Jesus, and brought him into the priest, high priest's home. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. This is because Jesus told him he was going to deny, Peter was going to deny him three times, and Peter was adamant. I'm not going to deny you. I will die with you or for you. But let's see if he does. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And he was so indignant. Look at the exclamation point that follows that sentence. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said another exclamation point. He was indignant. Man, I do not know what you are saying immediately while he's still speaking the rooster crowed this is where it gets good and i underlined it and the lord turned and looked at peter i always emphasize this because it's one thing to deny somebody and betray them but it's another to do it to their face how hard must that have been for the lord because let's think about this jesus had his three he had john his beloved James, John's brother, and then Peter. Those were the three closest. Wherever Jesus went, when he didn't take the twelve, he always took the three. And they were always with him. for Some of the most intimate things that Jesus experienced, those three were with him. And to look at Peter directly in the face, after you knew he was going to deny you, and then him adamantly say he was not, and then to see him face to face do it. How hard was that for the Lord? But, But I would say... How much worse was it for Peter? Because when you get caught, uh, like, I think being caught is far worse than being, being the one that's catching. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I hope it makes sense. <clears throat> then Peter remembered the word of the Lord and he, who, um, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly to look at the beaten face of Jesus and to deny him how hard must that have been for peter so when we when we restore somebody remember when we're restoring them it's hard for us but how how hard must it be for the one that's wanting to be restored it's hard so we should maybe depending on the level of contriteness and the level of repentance that this person has maybe when we have to restore somebody and it's true repentance and true truly being contrite, maybe we make it as easy on them as we possibly can, because they've already beaten themselves up so badly. Okay, so how did Jesus restore Peter? Because Peter loved Jesus deeply, deeply. We see that Jesus dies on the cross, then, um, then there'll be Three times that Jesus sees the disciples, and one of the last time he sees them is when he is with Peter. When they go down to the to the water, and they believe that that which is so crazy is when Jesus was on the boat when Jesus met the disciples on the beach, um, and told them to cast their nets. This is after he has died. He has risen. He's um, you know, died on the cross, risen from the grave. The third time he sees them. And the the people he's going to see of the disciples in this situation are Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, John. And then there's two others that we don't know. So they're out in a boat. They're fishing, right? It is believed that the same place they are fishing was where Jesus called them. I just, when I was doing some research on this, is God, like, I it is not by mistake. Nope.
1: No I mean, coincidences.
0: he's... Peter is called into ministry and to follow Jesus in the same location he is restored to his position. So good. Is that not beautiful? That is, so that beautiful. is beautiful, people. <laughs> God is, does nothing by mistake. Nope. Okay. Nothing by mistake. So it's early morning. They go fishing. They catch nothing. Nothing. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and they don't even recognize him. They don't even know him f- for who he is, right? So Jesus tells them to throw, um, to cast their nets, um, I believe, on th- to the other side. And so they catch so many fish. Get this. They-, they caught 153 fish. If I could tell you the significance of 153, I'd be here all day. But... Everything is designed with God that 's why I say, study, 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 study. It is so important. like you think watching TV a sitcom for thirty minutes that you've watched about a hundred times like I think of we were just talking about everybody loves Raymond. I can't tell you, I can almost quote the shows because I watch them so much because I think they're funny. I don 't watch anything new out there it 's all terrible but but what i what I get and 30 minutes of not watching Everybody Loves Raymond to what I learn on the Bible, like, I'm like a sponge, because there's nothing, and it builds my faith. When you mm-hmm. understand 153, you understand your value. Not because 153 tells me my value. No, 153 shows me how significant even the littlest of things is to God. So, if that is, thing that is so small is so significant to him how much more significant am i that's what it teaches me Mm -hmm. so it builds my faith whatever i ask in his name he will do it for me that scripture becomes more real to me because i understand my significance to him does that make sense i hope it does so when jesus tells them to throw the 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 net back into the the water and they get so many fish they now go it's an aha moment Mm -hmm. they're like we know who this is. Peter is so excited that it's Jesus that he jumps out, leaves the other guys to row the boats in with all the fish. I would have killed him. I would have been like, dude, you're a jerk. Get back in the boat, row this thing in with us. You don't get the easy ride, right? But instead, he jumps out out of pure excitement to see Jesus and he swims to Jesus, you would think that he'd be like, "I don't know how he'll receive me I don't know if he's going to reject me." No, he knew his value to Jesus, he knew who he was in Christ, and he knew he knew his value right, and he I believe he knew that he was truly repentant for betraying Jesus, so with that contriteness became came restoration. How that would come i don't know if he even knew, but he knew. That Jesus, nothing was going to separate him from his closest, dearest friend. I say that because if you have a dear, close friend and you think there is absolutely no way that you can be restored with them or a family member, don't doubt the sincerity of the other individual loving you. Take the chance. John 21, 15 through 19, Jesus, it's, it's titled, Jesus Restores Peter. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, son, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. So now Jesus is, okay, when he said, to him, Simon, son of Jonah. It was significant that he was calling him son of Jonah because what did Jonah do? Jonah ran Mm -hmm. from the task that God had given him. Mm -hmm. But when he came out of the belly of the well because he repented, he was restored. And then what did he do? He went about the task and went into Nineveh and did exactly what God told him to do. And that is why I believe he was called son of Jonah because Jesus was saying to him, you're like Jonah, you failed, but we're going to restore you. And now I'm going to send you out on your mission and I'm going to task you with something just like Jonah was. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? That's very unusual. That's very unique because now Peter's putting the question back onto Jesus. And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. How interesting. We as believers, we always go to Jesus or we go to God and we're so like meek. And But God wants us to be bold with him. He wants us to be like, like you know this. Now, I want you to accept this. And, and he likes it when we're bold with him. Reverence and not like demanding as in, you're going to do this kind of thing. No, it's a, you know me, you know my heart. I know that I'm not as perfect, but you know me, that kind of thing. And challenging God to really understand his value to you, right? Or just in life. If there's a promise that you know that you're standing on, I have been bold with God and said, God, I know my word. I know your promise. I'm standing on it. If there's doubt and unbelief, you have to reveal it to me. I know that you said this is going to happen. Now, what must I do to make it happen? I'm not budging until you and I talk. Because I'm not leaving here until I get the promise that you have promised, and it's me. We can be bold like that with God. We should never be like, God wants us to be friends with him. We We talk to him like we do a friend. If you talk to him any other kind of way, then you're not real. You're not being you with him. And that's really what he wants. He calls us his friend. Be a friend. Don't be somebody that you think he wants you to be. He knows you're not being who you are. Realize that. He knows you're fraud. He wants the real you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying what death he would he would glorify God. And when he had spoken to, uh, spoken this, he said to him, "Follow me." G- Peter is amazing because Peter, when he died, he said, "I am not worthy." He was he was actually um, hung on a cross, but but he said, "Don't hang me like like my Lord and Savior." turn me upside down so when he hung on that cross he was head bottom not head top which would be a very painful because the blood is rushing to your it what it though actually the blood pours out so how how um um what's the right word i want to say meek but that's not the right word how um i don't know what the right word is but peter understanding who Jesus was and he was like I'm not worthy to, to die the same the same way as my Lord and Savior All right so remember this everyone is redeemable Jesus knew Peter's heart that's the reason why you may not know the part, heart of the person that wants to be redeemed but through their contriteness which it seems to be a word for me today through being contrite and through their repentance and through their actions you'll understand whether or not they really are who they claim to be. And if they should be restored, remember this. Everybody deserves forgiveness. Forgiveness is a must. That doesn't mean that you welcome them back into your, your fold and, you, and um, you necessarily take the beat down like you've done in the past. But if you do not forgive in so much you are forgiven, and every single one of us do not have a right not to forgive someone. If you want God to harbor And hold on to everything that you've done and the sins that you need to be forgiven of, then don't forgive. It'll keep you out of heaven. Just know that. Everybody, everybody has to forgive. That is a must. Also, if you need healing in your body, clearly says in Mark, I believe it's Mark 24 or Mark 124, that it talks about believing and having faith. And then the scripture right below that tells you, you must forgive. If you don't forgive, then you might have a hard time getting healed. And you're wondering, why am I not getting healed? Why is this not taking place? Examine your heart. Is there any unforgiveness in your heart towards anyone? Get rid of it. See the healing come to pass. Um, But restoration is a must. It doesn't happen sometimes instantaneously. And it may take some time. But it's a must. And if the person deserves it. You must, you have to restore and you mu- and you have to redeem. They deserve it. Everybody deserves it. Again, it doesn't happen instantaneously sometimes. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But if they are deserving of it, then you need to do it. That's just all there is to it. All right, I think I'm done. And I am <laughs> one sweaty, hot mess right now. Just going to tell you, I am, whoo, I'm sweating up. A big time. How 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 late am I? Uh, it is four fourteen. Okay, that's the reason why. I'm fourteen minutes over, and the sweatshop has begun. <laughs> so I will say this to you. First and foremost, the thing that uh, that you have to do is, if you don't know um, Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, in order to start any of the things that w- any. Any of the questions, and you need that in your life, they don't happen unless you ask Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you've walked away from him and you want to come back, he's awaiting. Just like Peter, Peter betrayed him. He didn't sin and walk away from him. He just betrayed him. But you need to, just like Jesus was waiting there with open arms to restore Peter, he's waiting with open arms to restore you. It's just a matter of you taking the step and making it happen. Life becomes super easy when you become one of his kids. I'm just saying. Super easy. We make it hard the longer we hold out. Don't hold out. Just do it. Say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now, and I thank you for what you did on that cross. I thank you for the stripes that you bore, for my healing. I thank you for the bruises that you bore, for my iniquity, and iniquity means sin. And I thank you that you came to this earth when you didn't have to. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I ask you, Lord God, that you would be Lord of my life from this moment on. Whatever you say to do, I will do. Wherever you say go, I will go. And whatever you say not to do, I will not do. And I will live with you for eternity in heaven. I thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Super simple, super easy. We make it complicated, and it's just not that complicated. So if you said that sinner's prayer, let us know. We want to stay with you. We want to pray with you. If you need a good church, we'll help you out with that. If you live in the area, Foundation Church is the place to be. That's it. I will see you on Friday. Thank you for joining me, and I love you. Thank you for so much for tuning in. I wouldn't have the podcast if I didn't have you. Love you so much. Bye.
1: Real Talk.